welcome to the Les Represent podcast, the podcast about everything lesbian and lady loving queer, and everything in that spectrum. Uh, today I have a super special guest, but before I we let her introduce herself, I just want to change things up a little bit. Uh, oftentimes, at the end of the podcast, you know, it's it's tiring to listen to people for hours, it's tiring to talk to people for hours, so I often forget to tell, you know, little outro spiel of... Um, if you can, if you like this podcast, please review, like, share, because it is so, so important that we share our stories out there and that we put ourselves out into the world so someone can hear it and either A, realize that they're not alone, or somebody outside of their community can hear it and realize that we are people just like everyone else. And it sounds like such an obvious concept that, duh, we are people, but it just surprises me day to day when sometimes I'll talk to people and it's like they'll tell me with a straight face, I've never seen a queer per- or I've never met a queer person before. I never met a lesbian. I've never met a gay person before. And they only have TV as their example. And we really can't allow other people to tell our stories for us. So if you can like and share on any places that you get podcasts, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, maybe more if I can get my act together. But um, anyway, enough of those. Let's get on to the guest of the day. I'm so excited to talk to her. Uh, we met at Klexicon and we had such a great time and I'm so excited to bring this conversation to you. So please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Amanda G. How's everybody doing? I am a stand-up comedian uh, based in New Orleans. I run a monthly queer storytelling show called Greetings from Queer Mountain. Um, we have one in New Orleans. There's also one in... Um, New York City, Oakland, and uh, we actually just brought one to Baton Rouge yesterday, and I host the Near and Queer to My Heart podcast where we interview queer performers uh, to get their stories beyond the stage and um, to get to know people beyond what their performance is. There is so much to unpack there um, (laughs) in the best of ways. So, oh, where do we begin? I guess let us start with how you started this podcast. Yeah, so um, so I've been hosting the uh, Greetings from Queer Mountain storytelling show in New Orleans, and what was really cool about it is I've been able to meet so many great queer performers, and especially with storytelling, I don't know if you've been to a storytelling show, but a lot of storytelling is very personal, and sometimes, sometimes our show is just like crying, hysterically laughing, and sometimes it's crying <clears throat> very sad, because, you know, we want a space where people can just share whatever they need to share, um, what you know, whatever they're feeling, where they just have, like, a space for uh, queer folks to speak their truth, whatever it is. And then I realized, hey, there's got to be more than this to this person than this eight-minute story that we're seeing. There is so much more to this person than, you know, this little clip that we have of them on stage sharing. And so the podcast came about to get to know them beyond the stage and beyond Queer Mountain, which is what we almost called it. Um, (laughs) But we thought, okay, that's too much with the branding, like (laughs) have something else. Uh, So Near and Queer to My Heart just was like a cute, you know, like Near and Dear to My Heart kind of make it queer, which we really like. And it's been really great because, you know, performers, every performer I've had is like, I love talking about myself. So that's an easy sell right there where they're just like, oh, my God, I get to talk about myself for an hour. That's great. But it also, a lot of times, like, it's been therapeutic for folks because they really get into their, like, no one's really asked them, like, 
where were you born? Where are you from? How did you end up wherever you are? How did you start performing? You know, it's you really get into their life story and it gives them a chance to share that with everyone. And it's been it's been really great. I really enjoy doing it. I didn't know how to do a podcast. I didn't understand that. So I had to learn a lot. I had to watch a lot of weird YouTube videos of little teenage boys telling me how to do these things. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've learned a lot. And, you know, it's just been a really great journey for everybody. And, you know, I'm really proud of it and to, to bring it to folks and to bring, you know, I've had people listen to it and they're like, oh, my God, next time I'm in Minneapolis, I'm going to check out this performer. or I downloaded their, you know, iTunes album or whatever. So it's been like really good to connect queer folks all over the place with each other and with performers. Man, same, <laughs> same on so many levels. I, I'm so sad that I'm not closer to Baton Rouge because that is like possibly a six hour drive. God, Texas is huge. <laughs> but that is so fantastic. I, I want to know everything about it. And I really wish I could go to one of those shows. Do you perhaps record them like on video to put on YouTube or? I have some of them recorded. Um, I, I, I used to record them or at least the audio. And I don't know why I just was like, these are so special because sometimes those moments, it's like you can't reproduce that moment in that room on that stage with that audience. And sometimes people will be talking about it, you know, for the next year, they're like, remember last year when this person told this story or, um, so I did start recording them and I didn't know what to do with them. And also, you know, I'll, I might eventually put them on YouTube. I need to talk to the different artists, you know, and make sure that they're comfortable Absolutely. with that. Um, but I had that idea because the moth is like a national storytelling, um, show and they're on NPR and they have their own podcast. And so I, I kind of saw that too, of like getting these stories out there, but I didn't know I was just, you know, and I told everyone, I'm like, I record it. I don't do anything with it. I'm not like distributing it without your permission. And, um, and sometimes I've used those stories when I interview that performer for the podcast, I'll pull the audio of their story and, and use that, you know, at the end of every episode, we play a clip of whatever the performer is, whether they're a singer or a stand-up or um, a storyteller, we're able to, you know, add a clip of their art. So once you get to know the person, then you get to hear um, a sample of what they do. So it's a good way for them to promote themselves. Um, but yeah, we, you know, eventually I want to do a lot of things. Uh, what people, you know, what I, not people, what I'll speak for myself, um, <laughs> what I didn't realize is all of this stuff is very uh, time consuming and it's hard to fit everything in. So, you know, we do our best. Um, right now we're really focused on getting the greetings from queer mountain show going in Baton Rouge. Um, the Baton Rouge pride folks have been working with us, um, cause they've been really trying to get what they, and I don't know how your scene is there. Um, I, I am not, you know, okay. I, different scenes are, are different, but in Baton Rouge, basically the, the gay scene, what I'm being told by multiple people is that a lot of it is just partying and DJs and clubs and dancing. And a lot of people want more, uh, same, same culture, I guess. So they're looking to do more. That's why the storytelling show was interesting to them. They're looking for stand up. They're looking for poetry. Um, they're looking for, you know, other activities that are during the day or even, um, activities for queer families. Um, so they're looking to branch out to that. So we're, we're kind of a perfect fit and new Orleans is a little over an hour away from Baton Rouge. So it's not too bad of a drive. Right. And new Orleans is where Stonewall began. Correct. Stonewall, um, please don't tell me I'm wrong. That's it. I'm wrong. (laughs) Take it out. We're taking this out. 
Take um, it out. Yeah. I think Stonewall Stonewall Inns in New York. Um New I mean New Orleans has really been um pivotal for the queer southern movement. Um because right, New Orleans that's... has been such an open place, um, not just for queer folks, but for folks of um all different races that were uh, you know, like we had a huge Irish population back in the day when like the Irish were you know, ostracized from many communities. We have a Jewish community. There's a huge Vietnamese community. I mean, the French Cajun folks that came here originally years and years and years ago, um, it was all because other societies were assholes, basically. Hope we can curse on this. And um, you do you, you do you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they came to New Orleans, which was kind of a safe haven for a lot of different folks. So um, it has been very pivotal, you know, in the queer Southern movement. And um, we have we don't just do pride. We do a pride in June. but We also have something called Southern Decadence, um, which is every uh, Labor Day weekend. And that gets a lot of folks from all over the South to come out. And it's just a really great. Yeah, it's a really great uh, queer event if you and it's a three day weekend. So (sighs) it's a good opportunity to take a trip. My father-in-law's here. I can't. I can't <laughs> go anywhere. I'm missing my own um, pre-Pride launch party with uh, this this group of. Um, they are trying to kind of do the same thing here. They're trying to make more culture and trying to lift up each other and to be more than just partying. Because in Dallas, which is the closest thing I live live to, that's a huge city. Uh, they're they're trying to do that. So I'm like, kind of. I wasn't supposed to announce this yet, but I'm I'm going to now. I'm trying to work with <laughs> these women who are doing this Les Talk convention where they gather a bunch of queer women and they talk about their experiences and they just try to uplift each other and provide services for each other. Because especially here with ugh, all the legislations going on, like they have like a group of, you know, lawyers and psychiatrists and stuff like that who are also queer, who are coming to provide for the community and they're just building it up slowly. Um... But oh, I remember why I thought New Orleans was connected to Stonewall, and just to just to rectify myself from looking like a complete <laughs> jackass, uh, I did hear the story about the bar that burned down in uh, New Orleans, the gay bar that burned down. It killed like twenty to thirty people, and it was yeah. a, the fire that started. And the I know around that happening actually helped motivate Stonewall in a way, like it contributed to it because it surprised me that. It was the churches that tried to come and help the gay people that had been burned in the fire and the people that survived it because a lot of them weren't out. They couldn't report it to the police. They couldn't say that they were there. They couldn't say that they saw their friends literally get burned in this bar and they couldn't come out and do anything. They just had to go to work the next day and pretend like they weren't there. And yeah, and there's just... a there's a great documentary called Upstairs Fire. Yes, um, exactly. And I don't know if if you've seen that, but yeah, that and that was yeah, that was like a really huge and very tragic moment. And as as tragic as that was, one of the and I always try to look at as best we can try to find some sort of positive out of it. But there was, like you said, there was that positive of folks who you never would have thought would come to the aid of queer folks did because they were like this is so messed up that even we have to put aside, you know, our preconceived notions about queer folks and realize that they are humans and that they do need this help and that this is something that shouldn't happen to anybody. And for it to be in the South of all places, because let's be real, we all know the stereotypes. (laughs) We all know the stereotypes and we've met some of those stereotypes, unfortunately, but it's, it's just, 
amazing. We still have so much work to do, but it's, there's light. There's light. That's all, that's all I can say about that. Yeah. And I'll um, go back to not to call you out on the Stonewall thing, but I'm going to share something embarrassing so that we're equally, um, <laughs> we'll just put it there. But I was uh, recently working on this stand-up joke about uh, the Destiny's Child song, Survivor. Um, and I got on a stage, I tried it two different times and I said, oh, this is the song from the Charlie's Angels soundtrack. And I got off stage and one of the other comics who's a sweetheart was like, I really like that joke, but that song wasn't the one on the Charlie's Angels soundtrack. (laughs) It was independent woman. And then like in my head, all this flashbacks of both of the songs came back to me and I was like, oh my God, it was independent woman. I was so wrong. (laughs) And I got up on stages and said that, and nobody said anything. So I mean, so you, that's, don't, you don't necessarily want a heckler in the back of the room saying, you're wrong. <laughs> I know. They still laughed at the joke, so I, did, I didn't know. But that's me getting up. But who knows? You know, I'm sure somebody in the room is whispering to somebody, and they just didn't tell me. But I was like, to the comic, I was like, thank you for telling me. Um, and she's like, I didn't want to embarrass you. And I was like, no, like th- you saved me from future, much future embarrassment. Um, but anyway, I got up in front of a... a couple rooms full of people and and gave them misinformation um (laughs) so it's fine it's fine we all make mistakes we're all human I listen to so many podcasts where they just say things that aren't true and it's you know we're all doing our best oh gosh I try not to do that I like I've I remember this span of like an entire month where I kept spewing out just misinformed bollocks and I had to like go back in and be like by the way, this is Erica from the future. Erica from the past <laughs> is a dumbass. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's a learning experience. I mean, that's that's kind of how stories happen. That's how myths happen. That's how stereotypes happen. And we just get misinformed and spread it around. But there's also good things that come from that. I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head, and I'm <laughs> not finding one. Um. <laughs> I, just, I just think, you know, but, like, ten years ago... I would be so mortified if I ever made a mistake like that. I'd be like, I am never going out in public again. Oh. And now I'm like, this is hilarious to me. Yeah, you know, it's like nobody's perfect and we're all just having a good time. And I find it entertaining. Like I like she told me that and I laughed like I <sighs> laughed at myself for being so ridiculous and not fact checking a Destiny's Child song, which is a very easy thing to do. I could have gone on YouTube or Spotify or just Googled the thing. Um, or ask probably anybody else in the room and <clears throat> they would have informed me. So, I mean, I, that's another thing I'd really love to talk about. A, tell me your secrets and how you moved past this thing. Cause I still think of things <laughs> like in the third grade that I did that I'm just mortified about. Um, and also I'd love to talk about you, how you became a comedian. Like, has this always been a thing for you? No, I, um, as a child and also through, uh, early adulthood, um, was, uh, very shy. I, uh, had a mother who was not shy, so I hid behind her a lot. Um, and I never, oh my God, but I feel you. I'm like the same way. My mother's always been the cool mom. She's, I go to parties with her. Yes, I do that. And (laughs) she's, she's the cooler one at the party. And I'm, I'm, I've accepted it. I'm like grown enough to know that my mom will never be chill. (laughs) party with your mom (laughs) Uh, yes because I was I was shy and sheltered I sheltered myself which is a lot of people don't talk about it but there there are people out there who I think I did I did in some ways and I think 
Yeah. A lot of times I think back to, um, <coughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on with my throat, but. I know you're in the spotlight. <laughs> I just think, I think back to not necessarily knowing what queer was or knowing I was queer, but just knowing I was different, knowing I wasn't the same as everybody else and kind of sheltering myself because I had this inside information that I didn't know what to do. I think we just unpacked a box for me. Nice. That's why I love talking to people. You discover more about them and yourself sometimes. It's a lovely feeling. Um, But yeah, I was always really quiet and shy, and I never thought I would ever do anything on stage. I always wanted to write. Uh, My dad was a comedy writer, so... Yeah? um, Like, yeah, and he... Like, our family... And I thought all families were like this, but we always used to riff off each other and just tell jokes and kind of like little, like not like mean digs at each other, but kind of like little roast battle kind of like jokey kind of stuff. Like we were always very interactive. Like if we saw something on the news, we'd have commentary for it or, you know, like we always thought that way. And I just thought that's what everyone else did. And everyone's like, no, my dad doesn't laugh. And I'm like, okay. Um, That is true. You know, we were always... Yeah, we were always just having a good time, and I always just thought I would fall into the writing side of that because the idea of being on a stage was not something I was interested in. And then, I don't know, about five years – I started doing stand-up five years ago, and so I guess about six years ago, I thought about it. I just started seeing all these you know, stand-ups doing it, and especially there was a lot more queer comics starting to make it, um, starting to come out, you know, um, starting to be present, and I wanted to be part of that, so – I uh, finally got the nerve. I spent six months just like all I did at work was listen to stand up. I would only watch stand up specials. I would go to open mics and just kind of observe and study. And then I finally did it. And have you ever done any sort of open mic? Oh, dear Lord. You know, I'm going to have to train on this because I haven't. I have crazy strange fight, like going to Klexicon and talking to people who, you know, I might have interviewed them for like two hours. And just talking to them, it was, oh, it was, it was scary. Like the first day, I think I walked by three different people that I recognized, but I was too terrified to <laughs> approach them. Like you were actually one of them. I was like, Erica, you, you do this for a living. You can talk to people. And I hope I came across, like, I hope I like faked it till I make it kind of. Yeah, you were fine. You. I was going to say, I was going <gasps> to say when we talked, it was great, right? Yes. Like we, Give me. we had a good interaction and we, I mean, we've interacted on, you know, we've, I guess known each other on uh, social media for a while, so I felt very comfortable with you right away, and yes. I didn't notice you had any of that. So yes. you did. You faked it till you made it. Um. Validation. I need this because I'm going to be <laughs> speaking at more things live, and I just good. It's really hard. Like I will, I will get to the point of nervous where you know the voice shakes and everything lose just goes out of your head, and it's just. I feel like someone's holding a gun to me and I'm like, I need to get over this. This is what, this is also what the podcast has been for me is just to talk to people. Yeah. And the best thing is to just keep on doing it. But yeah, the reason I asked is because I tell everybody, I say, you should try stand up once. You should try karaoke once. You should put yourself on stage and be vulnerable. Even if it's just one time and you never do it again, just to have that experience. Because some people have that experience and they're like, absolutely not. I would never do that again, but I'm glad I tried it. 
And some people get on stage and they're like, I never knew this adrenaline rush existed. This is better than anything I've ever done. I need to keep doing this. So you don't know you have it till you're in that situation. Oh my gosh. I might have just to come to Louisiana and be like, hey, put me up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you do karaoke at all? I mean, there are lots of drinking involved. So <laughs> I don't think that counts when you can't feel it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also not in a group number. You got to be up. It has to be you on oh, a stage no. with a microphone. You don't get to have the, all the Spice Girls and you're just in the background. Oh, no. I love Spice Girls, though. Um, <laughs> no, I my don't. <laughs> no, I don't think. I don't think I've ever done anything quite like that. And it just, I mean, going up, like when they called my name for graduation, just walking across the stage was hard enough. <laughs> yeah, and that's how I, that's why I like, I understand that's how I used to be all the time. I would go out of my way to avoid interacting with most people in situations. And like, if I, when I was younger, they didn't have this, but now I still have it a little, like, like now I will order food from a place where I can order online oh my God. and not have to talk to somebody. And some places, honestly, I'm like, Oh, if I have to call them and place this order, I'll order from the place that I don't have to do that. Like there's certain interactions that I'm still like very socially anxious about, but stage performance is something that, you know, I tried it and I was like, I'm just going to do this and see how it is. And I did it and it was just such an adrenaline rush and just knowing words um, that you created and things that you worked on in your brain that you say from your mouth that other people relate to, laugh at, you know, come up to you and talk to you and interact with you about like it's it's such a beautiful thing. And it's something this rush of adrenaline that you're just going to keep chasing. Wow. I need. OK. OK. I think you've you've swayed me. I need to, I need <laughs> to try this out once. Um, yeah, just once. I mean, if you tell yourself it's just once and then you never have to do it again and then you can say you've done it and, you know, you'll feel better. I, I think even if you go up there and it's, you know, nobody laughs, like you'll still feel good that you did it. Or if you go up there and people laugh at, you know, what you say and you relate to people out there, like it could change your life. Oh, my goodness. Changing lives. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no one thinks stand-up does that, but it can. <laughs> I, I definitely believe you. I definitely believe you. So I guess now that this is a great segue into Gay Mountains, did you say you actually kept that name for it? <coughs> um, the podcast is Near and Queer to My Heart, and then our the, storytelling show yes, is that. The Greetings from Queer Mountain. The Greetings from Queer Mountain. So sorry. Because I was like, how close is that to like back broke mountain like how how many <laughs> times have you heard someone come up to you and been like ha 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 about that um a lot of people I, that's what I like about the name because it is different and people are like well and a lot of performers when they get on stage they're like I got to the top of queer mountain you know and <laughs> whatever like they just have fun with it and then what is a queer mountain I don't know and we're we're at queer mountain and we're saying greetings from um I've had people to just uh you know, instead of saying greetings from, they're like uh, against Queer Mountain or like they'll just add things to it because it's a, it's a quirky name. I, I enjoy that. I didn't come up with it, though. The show Greetings from Queer Mountain originated in Austin, Texas um, oh, with Ralphie God. Hardesty and Michael Folk created it um, out there. And they do it at Cheer Up Charlie's there every last Wednesday of the month. I think I'm going to try to go up. I, I've done their show before. I've been there to watch it. Um, but, yeah, they they're the ones that came up with it and they. We're just like, we just threw out a bunch of names and that just came out and we both were like, yes. And I kind of like that too, but um, it, it's different. And 
you know, I enjoy it, but I can't take credit for it. <laughs> of course it came from Austin. Austin is just, it's, it's just a bubble of awesomeness that I'm ashamed is not in the rest of Texas. <laughs> Yeah, and in Cheer Up Charlie's, I don't know if you've ever been there, it's this queer bar, and there's, um, in the parking lot, there's, like, a taco truck that's fucking amazing, oh, and then in yeah. the back, they, they have they basically, like, this wall that's, like, a rock wall, and then there's a stage, and then that's where you perform, so it's, like, this stage in front of this, like, rock wall, it's fucking beautiful, you can just, and there's like, lights, and it's outdoors, and, of course, Austin's weather is, like, generally good, and it's just such a good experience. Like a climbing rock wall, or just, like, a wall built out of rocks? It's just, I don't know if they're real or not. Um, I you, you can't climb. I mean, maybe you can climb it, but it's not, like, set up that way. But oh, it looks okay. kind of like, it looks like that, but it doesn't have the, like, brightly colored things on it. Um, I actually don't know if it's real or not. <laughs> I, uh, I'll, I'll, get, I'll uh, keep you posted. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, oh, that's awesome. And why is Austin so far away from me? Anyway, I don't know. It's yeah, it's eight and a half hour drive from from me. So I I try to go there. I'd like to go more. I haven't been in two years, but I used to try to go at least once a year because they actually have a good they have a good comedy scene in general. And they actually have a really good uh, queer comedy scene and they have a lot of great queer comics. So um, I try to, you know, just orbit around them sometimes. I mean, eight hours is a long way to drive like. It's, it's a long way. I can imagine planes are cheaper than the gases now. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of, I like the idea of the, the road trip, uh, you know, com- comedians, like, uh, doing road trips. Um, but yeah, the planes are, but if we, you know, if we have other people with us or if we want to stop places on the way. That's true. Um, but I've, yeah, I've been trying to do more tours, especially one great thing about the South is um, things are... Uh, close enough you know yeah eight eight and a half hours is is a long way but i can do that in a day um houston's uh two and a half hours about from austin you can go there uh, it's another three hours i think to dallas you know so if you were to do a tour you could really tour around yeah not to mention like the like the side of the road barbecue stands yes you you just can't you just can't get that kind of flavor in like a chain and i'm not or at the airport oh my god (laughs) or at airports like, it's just wow. Um, but about Queer Mountain, so so you kind of gravitated around them in Austin, and then you started your own in Baton Rouge, or did you start it with the group? We started um, we started in New Orleans. Um, Gosh. And the Baton Rouge one is, yeah, so we're starting. We're working on that now. We just had our first one yesterday, which actually, um, I shouldn't say actually, it went really well. I was super nervous about it because I don't, I live close to Baton Rouge, but I don't live there. Um, So I was definitely nervous about like just, and I was at a bar that I'd never been to. So I was just really nervous about a lot of things that I didn't have control over necessarily. Um, But then the New Orleans one started um, because the Austin guys came and did a show in New Orleans and I was on the greetings from Queer Mountain that they did in New Orleans. And I was like, this show is amazing. We had such a a great show. We had a, a lineup. We had a, uh, comics from Los Angeles out there, and um, we had you know Austin comics and New Orleans comics, and it it just came together so well, and it was such a beautiful show that I was like, why don't we do this in New Orleans? And <clears throat> Michael, one of the f- co-founders, was like, we were trying to get it in New Orleans, we couldn't find anyone to run it, and I was like, I don't mean to overstep, but 
I'd be happy to give it a shot. Oh my goodness. And yeah, and Michael and I knew each other through comedy for I think about a year at that point. And he was like, Yeah, let's let's do it. And so he helped me with the promotion and, you know, how to run it and, you know, whatever we needed to do. And we started it and it's now been in New Orleans for three years. And then we're just starting the Baton Rouge one. Um, because Baton Rouge is close enough to New Orleans. We've had people drive from Baton Rouge to see our show. So it's like close enough to New Orleans where you can drive for a show, but it's also Baton Rouge has a pretty good queer scene there that's up and coming. So we want to try to foster that. And this bar that we did it at, it's a bar called Cedar Crest Bar. And it's kind of, it's not in downtown Baton Rouge. It's kind of in the suburbs, but they're a new queer bar and they're really trying to, to develop themselves and also develop shows um, that are, like I said, a poetry, stand-up, storytelling, like different kinds of of shows. So we were like, well, let's see how this goes, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's and you guys are promoting each other. That's so exciting. So how did you get to New York in it? Because like New York's a bit a ways away. Yeah. So um Michael Folk from the one of the Austin guys that started it, he moved to New York City. Oh. Um yeah. And then so he started it there. And then he just moved to Oakland to the Bay Area. And so he uh, handed the New York City one off to someone who had been working with him there. And then he started one in Oakland. So we're slowly bringing is, them um, to different cities. Yeah. So um, and he does a show, another show called Queer Film Theory 101, where they basically take movies that aren't queer and kind of queer them. Um, <gasps> Man, that's what I is, do every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, which is something that we've all like really, you know, already kind of done in our head. So to have a whole show with that's really cool. We don't do that in New Orleans. Um, they do that in Austin and New York. And I'm not sure if he started one yet in Oakland, but that's also a really amazing show. If you're in any of those cities or you go visit them, definitely check them out. When you say Oakland, you mean Oakland, California? Yeah. Yeah. Right near San Francisco. Yeah. That, that surprises me how they haven't had this kind of thing before. It feels like something... It definitely feels like something that should have been before. I don't know. This feels like a thing. There are words I'm trying yeah. to say. So No, I understand. Like, there's a lot of things that it's like, that's a very simple concept. Like, just have a queer storytelling show. Um, it should be in a lot of places. It's not, you know, it, for whatever reasons, um, you know, it really hasn't been. So we're we're trying to, to do that. And I, I think, too, a lot of times it just comes down to someone needs to put the work in. Right, right. And I, I hope that guy keeps Johnny Apple seeding these stories <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, I'll keep you updated where he where he goes next. But um if he hits on <clears throat> Dallas, let me know. Yeah, or if y'all are, you know, looking to start something like, you know, oh, gosh, we, we are always even... open to to having folks um, you know, bear the greetings from Queer Mountain name and you know, all, like as is like I said, it's a queer storytelling show. Um, I was telling someone this yesterday in Baton Rouge. I was like, I host, I, so I hosted the Baton Rouge one and I host the New Orleans one. Um, I don't know what most people are going to talk about, which I like. I like it because that's a show that I get to watch too. But I also, when they're done telling their story, I get to comment. You know, when I come back up and, and say, oh, give it up for this storyteller. And then I'll say, you know, how I feel about the story or I'll point out things that are funny or whatever. Um, and I really enjoy that and, and the raw reactions that I get to have, but I have no idea what the show's going to be. And that's how it should be. It should just be this raw, you know, and sometimes the storytellers don't know exactly, they know what story they're going to tell, but they don't know how they're going to tell it, how it's going to wrap itself up. And so it's just such a, a cool moment. 
Yeah, and the, and you know, it's not something like to, I I feel like to make an impact, sometimes it's best not to filter these things. Like you can structure them, but to like censor yourself or to just not put a thing out there. I mean, that could be something that someone identifies with. That's that could be something that people didn't know about. It's it's being quiet about these things that I feel like has really made our process very slow. Um, but it's just, wow, that must be like powerful sometimes. Do you guys have like tissue boxes on each table? <laughs> well, some, sometimes we, we need them. Um, and we've had, what I think is really great too, is we bridge the gap. Like we have performers of all ages, of all races, of all gender identities, of all the sexual identity. Like we really try to uh, have it as diverse as we can, um, with also, you know, having a show, but we've had some, um, older folks who come on and talk about, you know, the times they were at gay bars that got busted by the cops or oh, things God. that like the young, that younger folks and, you know, I'm 35, but like, even folks my age, like I never had that happen. Right. Um, but it's important to tell those stories and to remind people who even now with all the shitty things that are happening, we think like, oh, there hasn't been progress. There has been progress. We just don't see it in the way that somebody who's 70 years old, we have a performer who's 71 wow. who tells a lot of stories about, um, you know, back in the day, like you couldn't be, she was a teacher and she couldn't let anybody in her life know she was gay. Oh and, my God. you know, it's cause she could have gotten fired. Like it's these very real things that, um, you can technically it, still it, get fired for that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, in some places you still can, but in like, I'm out at my job and you know, there's, there's, I'm out in my whole life. Like I, you know, my girlfriend and I own a house together. We couldn't have done that 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Like it's, you know, the, the times have, there are things that have progressed, not everything. And it's definitely not where it should be, but I do appreciate those moments when we can look back and say, you know, like even the word, the word queer, it used to be a, a slur, you know, it used to be a, oh, that, you know, you could use it in a negative way. And now we have a show called greetings from queer mountain and we've, you know, that word now has a, it's a positive uh, umbrella inclusive term for everybody in the community. So there's, there has been a lot of change. Oh, I'm so glad to have <laughs> you on. It's good, it's good to hear those good things. It's definitely good. All of my diatribes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's also, it's also good to hear about things that have happened because it's important for us to keep focus, to focus on, you know, what has happened so it doesn't regress so we can make sure that that doesn't happen again we can make sure that we don't get put back that we just to know how people have treated us in the past and how they have gotten away with it is important to know so we know how to combat that for the future and not to be a negative nancy i feel like that's my role this podcast since you're so positive <laughs> but i'm just it's so important i've heard so many stories from older people in the community that Honestly, they they break your damn heart every time. They they completely and utterly shatter you, but there are still stories that need to be heard. And I'm thinking of like setting up an emoji system <laughs> for my episodes <laughs> and just be like, by the way, this one's going to make you cry, but I also don't want to give away like what's going to happen in each episode. Yeah, because you want people to feel what they're going to feel, you know? Right. But even um, my friend was telling me there's a movie about Emily Dickinson that just came out. Oh, and she gosh. was talking about that. And it's like she wrote all of these beautiful love letters. So sorry. What, what is it called? 
Oh, I'm, I don't remember. Oh, no. <laughs> My friend was just telling me about it yesterday. Um, but it, I think they had a, like a, maybe a premiere in New Orleans or maybe it's out, but yeah, it's just, you know, Emily Dickinson was, uh, wrote, wrote like thousands of love letters to her sister-in-law who, you know, she, but like, she couldn't, I don't know, but you know, I didn't see the movie. Um, but there's definitely, you know, like her world was so different than our world. Like you're married, you're married to your wife. Like you couldn't do that five years ago. That is so true. I remember in, in many places yeah. and other places where you could, like California, my friends got married. They had a civil union. Um, they got married. Then, then Prop Eight came. Then they weren't married. Then they were domestic partners. Is now they're married again. It's like it, you know, it's high, it, like that's an amazing thing and it's a beautiful thing that you all wanted to commit to each other and are able to do it the same way that everybody else is. Exactly. Exactly. We could get into this all day because that thing about Emily Dickinson, I didn't find out about that. Like now, now the world is finding out about that, which it's ridiculous that it took this long. But censorship is insane. Like to have an entire person's life just completely written over, and we had like no idea who this woman was. She was like almost the pinnacle of you have to suffer for your art because we thought she was just a lonely woman who preferred solitude so she can focus on her work. But that was not the case. No. And that's the narrative that they spun. And maybe her poems would have related more to you when you first read them, knowing who they were for, knowing that that was something that she was feeling so deeply, you know, her poems are so beautiful and uh, the love that she shares through them is so deep and wonderful that you know but maybe they like some schools won't teach it anymore i mean (gasps) yeah i wouldn't be surprised i mean they still teach oscar wilde and he was i mean we don't have to go he was out and about too i mean he went to jail for that exactly (laughs) which is fun i never learned that in high school and they will not teach that in high school but they still have his poems everywhere but man i knew he was yeah i wrote a essay in college about how that man was gay. And I I got a C for it, and that's fine. What? I did. Why? Um, honestly, I'm not that great of a writer, but also they told me that my <laughs> evidence was baseless. <laughs> no, but and, you were 100% right. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that my gaydar functions at least yeah. a little bit, but... Jesus. I take a C to know, just to know I'm right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm still right. Oh, man, I wish I had like that teacher's contact and just been like, yeah. by the way, if it doesn't change the grade that I got. Um, but yes, yes. Uh, oh my God, we're getting off topic, but that's, that's okay. Sometimes it's nice to. Yeah, absolutely. I love talking about Oscar Wilde. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess who is, oh, I guess I can't ask you who your favorite queer stand-up is because that's like favoritism isn't it yeah a lot of people ask me um you know i don't it's the same with like when people say what's your favorite movie it's like it depends on the the time and the moment you know like it uh, what mood i'm in i don't know i'll still say like wanda sykes is a fantastic stand-up tig nataro there's so many great queer comics out there uh cameron esposito ria butcher I mean, there's just so many wonderful comics. I just listen to all of them. <laughs> just listen to all of them. <laughs> exactly. Just just everything. All of them. Just I'm sure yeah. there's like... Support them all. <laughs> I'm sure there's like a database or a list out there that's just like, here are queer stand-ups. Here are their stuff. And if, it's not, if it doesn't exist, it needs to exist. 
So. Yeah, I'm not sure if it does. I mostly, when I look for stand-up, I mostly just listen to female stand-up, to be <laughs> honest, whether they're, because I feel like female comics have a, a, a take that I'm always interested in, and the way that they discuss topics um, is, is a, you know, it's just more interesting to me. So that's generally what I look for, what, however they identify uh, their sexual orientation. I mean, same. Same. I can't tell you the last time I saw a male stand-up community. Um, I can't tell you. Well, actually, I can't tell you. I've ruined myself. It was Eddie Izzard was probably the last male stand-up comedian that I actually actively watched. I guess that's what I do. I, I really enjoyed his stuff definitely in the beginning. Is he problematic? I mean, I, I, I enjoy him. Is he problematic to folks? I just... Sure, exactly. And that's, I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna cut this out because I, I don't know enough about him or his backgrounds. I just enjoy okay. his content. But I think I've heard from some people that he's problematic. But then again, you know, you'll, you'll talk to people and like anyone can be problematic. I'm sure there's some John out there right now that's like, oh yeah, that bitch that runs that podcast, she's problematic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you don't know, you know, sometimes we know, sometimes we learn, but it, you almost feel bad when you're like, oh, I used to enjoy Louis CK. Like, I think he's a, I do think he is a sharp writer, um, and, and a good standup, but now I can't, I don't enjoy him because I have information about him that makes me uncomfortable. I keep mistaking him with the other guy that's dead now, the one who was like, Crap. You know what? I've mixed them up so much I can't tell what they've said and what they haven't said. The one that was talking about uh, if you hurt someone, it's not in your place to say that you didn't hurt them or something. Or hmm. I'm not sure who said that anymore. I'm lost in this conversation. I'm sorry. Yeah. I have a problem. That's fine. I have a problem. With, I wish I knew. I have a problem with white men and beards that I can't tell them apart sometimes. Yeah. Um, no, same. <laughs> Like, they're talking about how, like, you when you have two women in a movie, you have to, like, you you have to, like, um, have them have different hair colors or else you won't be able to tell them apart. And you're like, I thought that was complete bullshit until I saw all the brunette men with, you know, the whole the whole beard package and the kind of receding hairline. And now I, I can't tell them apart either, to be honest. Yeah, I yeah, know. And I'm like, good, I don't need to. <laughs> um. I guess that's something to look up. We'll, we'll have some cliff notes at the end to call out my bullshittery, I'm sure. But yeah, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Um, I mean, I, whatever other questions you have, I'll I'll ask, can I ask you questions? Of course, do, of course. It's an open book. Do people do that? Yeah, I mean, people are, like to talk about themselves, I'm not going to lie. But I, I am open, completely open to questions. With, you know, with the podcast, I always think it's interesting. The host is always asking all these questions and it's like, we want to get to know you too. You know, maybe you should do like a Goodness. Q&A for folks or something because, you know, it's part, you're, you're the, this every episode, you are the one that ties it all together. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I do like the sound of my own voice, as my wife <laughs> says. Um, but I, I guess that would be interesting. I'm just not too sure how to do that um getting stage right all of a sudden thinking about it <laughs> but that, yeah that well, we like have a, um, a fun thing to do I one day yeah i haven't done it yet but um one day for our podcast we're, we'll have somebody i'm probably gonna have the very first interview i had genevieve reams who's a good friend of mine and an amazing Aww. storyteller um well i will probably have her on interviewing me 
Absolutely. So like, it'll kind of flip the script a little bit, put me in the hot seat. Um, and I think it'll be an interesting experience too, to see what my guests, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say go through. I don't think it's terrible, but you know, to see how my guests are and to be in that position. Absolutely. I mean, exactly. That's also why I also love bringing podcast people onto my show because they can talk about themselves. And I know I talk about myself maybe a little too much on my podcast, but no, I think it's, I think it's great. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like the whole point of this, you know, not the whole point, but I think one of the main points is to relate, like to, for me to relate to you, for uh, folks listening to relate to both of us, to each other, you know, to just know, like you said in the beginning, you're not alone. Um, you know, some of these feelings that I'm sharing, people might disagree with me. Great. Disagree with me. Sometimes people might be like, I never thought of it that way. Great. You know, this is why we're doing this is because human connection is so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it when people get it. Oh, I love it when people agree with me too, but that's another thing entirely. <laughs> every, uh, every once in a while I get it. <laughs> but yes, yes, completely. I'm not sure how much of that I'm going to keep. You know what? I might just keep all of it because it's not something to be ashamed of that, you know, you marry for different no. reasons other than love. And, you know, with how things are politically, I'm sure there's a lot of people who do the exact same thing. They get married earlier than they expected they would but to be fair growing up I never thought I was gonna get married why not I don't know exactly I want to say uh I was I was a late bloomer I was in the closet for a long time yeah I can't even I was in the closet to myself a long time so I it was only in college that I got out that I was like fine fine I like girls (laughs) (laughs) so and even then, you know, it wasn't legal here, and a lot of my family didn't know, and I was just like, it's whatever, because I had gotten, I had, like, almost no relationship experience before then, because I wasn't gonna put up with boys. Like, I had, I had some boyfriends, because, let's be real, regardless of orientation, you like attention from certain people, and you get flattered by the idea of somebody liking you, and these were really nice boys. They They had been my best friends, you know, I was the world's worst girlfriend, like, let me tell you, like, I was, like, the definition of a fuckboy without any of the sex, <laughs> like, the, <laughs> the whole emotionally uninvested, what is it, not, is uninvested a word? I don't know, I was emotionally withdrawn yeah, from them, like, I didn't yeah, call but guess, them. Yeah, guess what, hmm? dudes love that shit. I, I, I know, I date. didn't understand. Yeah, when I, the limited times I dated guys I was such a bitch to them I would be like I'm going here you can come if you want and they fucking loved it like they couldn't get enough of like oh she's so assertive and she knows what she wants and it's just like I don't care if you're here or not like (laughs) I don't understand men sometimes like they act like that's I don't hmm that's fine I don't need to understand them I don't need to no I know and it it was fascinating to me because I would like break up with someone I I basically I was like I dated guys because I was so worried people would think I was gay I was like I I need to date somebody so I would just date someone I always picked like really nice guys that wouldn't pressure me for anything um because I you know didn't want to do anything um but also if I could be like I have a boyfriend then in my mind I'm like then they'll think I'm not gay and it's like nobody thought that in the first place except you in your head so yeah, like I feel you. Like there, there is a pressure there when you're in school and people and the girls around you are talking about boys and they'll ask who you like. There is a huge social pressure there that 
people are like, oh, it's, it's just kids. It's whatever. You can't put that off because in the moment, it's terrifying to be outed. Like, it's terrifying to be, like, not outed in, like, the sexual sense, but to be outed, like, as in an outcast to people, to your tribe, so to speak, because you don't like the same things that they do. Yeah, or you don't feel normal. Like, it's like when NSYNC and Backstreet Boys came out, oh everybody wanted liked one or the other, and if you liked NSYNC, you either liked Justin or... Um, Together, I don't know. Uh, I have I a very remember. specific memory um, of like the girls in my neighborhood holding on a poster of the Backstreet Boys and point picking out the people they wanted, and I literally yeah. just picked out the guy that nobody else was picking because I was like, "Fuck, I don't know." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I used to pick Joey Fatone because I felt bad for him because nobody liked him. I don't even remember um, who is that. The guy with the nose. Yeah, he's. Oh my yeah, god. He's in sync. Oh no, I think no, I was thinking the Backstreet Boys. I have no idea who these boys are, to be fair. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, um, he had a beard, I think, at some point. Um, Yeah. But I just, you know, I didn't know. I just was picking a thing, like, but that's, but I felt so abnormal because why is this what all my friends are obsessed with and talking about and I can't tap into this, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) No, that was really it. So, you know, I do understand that, but yeah. Um, the reason that I tried to date guys, well, and part of it too was like, well, maybe I just need to try this and, and yes. you know, maybe I just need to see if this is something that I am into. How do you know till you do it? Same with what I said earlier, like try stand up or karaoke. Like you don't know if that's your thing till you do it. Now I know men are not my thing. <laughs> I yeah. can firmly say that the scientific tests have shown the result is 100% lesbian for me. Absolutely. And, you know, I dated the same guy for, like, two years. It was a long-distance relationship, mind you. So it was probably, like, we talked to each other maybe once every two weeks because I would never initiate the conversation. (laughs) Um, But, like, I mean, we only ever got as far as a kiss, and that was literally two years into the relationship. And it was – I would describe the sensation as putting two wet – unpeeled potatoes together and like rubbing it and it's just that's how uncomfortable it was just like imagining that makes me uncomfortable (laughs) yeah that's not a very sexy image no it was just like the most it was like invading my space I was like I don't like this I, I don't I just don't and I remember the first time I kissed a woman I was terrified that that was going to be the same experience and woohoo it was not um but just sometimes people need I don't know. We're we're taught to doubt ourselves so often. Like the how would you know unless you tried thing is just like a huge thing that people say to you whenever you say no to anything. And yeah. I just <sighs> There are words to be I mean, said here, but anyway. No, I mean people say that when you like, you know, come out to them and they're like, "Are you sure? Like how do you have you tried dating guys?" And now I can be like, "Yes, I have. I am sure." But, you know, that's definitely, like, a thought that people have, and, and you have it for yourself. So whether you have or not, like, for folks who never did, great. Like, I, part of me wishes I never did because I actually feel bad for dating people oh for the wrong reasons, God. you know? Yes. I feel bad for them because they were decent guys, and they're just going to take that experience and just be like, well, one of my boyfriends feel like, <sighs> God one of those guys are just like, girls don't, girls just use me and leave me. And I'm like, I'm glad I left you before you really 
hit puberty that hard because Jesus Christ. And the other one likes to brag that he's the lesbian starter kit. And I'm like, why do oh, men good. do this? Why oh, do men, Lord, this... why do, men yeah. do this? Because they got to take ownership of, of your, like, who you are. It's like, I'm going to take credit for that. And it's like, this has nothing to do with you. It was before you. It's it's after you. It's not about you, dude. But Literally. he'll try to find a way to make it about him. Literally. Like, you were like, the coat <laughs> that I wore because I didn't want to get rained on. And then I threw you away. It's whatever. I just. <laughs> <sighs> it's all right. They're living their lives now. And we are living our lives. Yeah, and it's important to have those experiences because everything leads you to who you are today. And, you know, if you needed that to be able to come out or you needed that to realize who you were to accept yourself or, um, you know, to be sure about whatever you're feeling, then great, you know. Right. So that this kind of somehow ties back into I never thought I'd be married thing. This is taking an interesting turn. I wasn't (laughs) sure we were going to, like, get to this subject. I like I like how where conversations go. Yeah, um, you know, you asked about any questions. I was like, well, this is the thing I've been thinking about. So um, I'm, I'm an open book. You know, that's why uh, you, at the beginning you're like, yeah, say, say whatever you want. I'm like, I will because <laughs> yeah. I don't have anything to be afraid of anymore as far as, you know, expressing my opinions. They're my opinions. I take ownership of them. It doesn't mean you have to have the same ones. And, you know, my feelings, I'm secure enough at this point to be able to share them. Um, without fear of judgment or uh, anything else that I used to be afraid of. So, yeah. That's beautiful. You've gotten to a beautiful place in your life. I hope it stays. I hope so, too. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we can try to get back on topic. Or if you want to, we can talk about, you know, podcasty things. Um, Oh, no, we have to ask the guest to guest question. I'm so excited for your shows. Like, what you do is amazing. Even if you're saying that somebody else started it, it doesn't matter because you're keeping it going where you are and you're trying to expand in your own way. And it really, it really is something people need to hear. Like, stories are so, so, so important. And it's even more important to hear it from, beg pardon, the horse's mouth because, <laughs> you know, stories change depending on people's agenda yeah and it's also i mean the conversation and i'm sure you've talked i've talked about this on other episodes but there's been a large conversation around do we need queer spaces anymore um because at least like new orleans doesn't have any well we don't have any lesbian identified bars there's some you know uh, a lot of gay male bars but a lot of people are like we don't need queer bars because everybody's cool now and it's like that's not necessarily the case and even if this sounds like people. Well, people, <laughs> people say that. There's a go online. It's a whole, the but, whole that's discussion. True. That's but... true. I guess I was trying to figure out their reasoning behind that. I guess they spend most of their time online. But we honestly need queer spaces that, you know, don't revolve around alcohol or partying because I'm past that. I am so past that. Like, I, I can't even, I can't even drink like one smeared off right now because I'm just like, oh, you know, this is a bit too wild for me. Like, I can't remember the last time I got drunk. Like, it's been that long and my memory is oh, awful. Wow. But yeah, I mean, I, I live in New Orleans. I definitely like to drink, but I'm not a big like DJ party or loud music person. Um, you know, I like to drink and talk shit with friends and hang out. For sure. But yeah, but a lot of people think that and I still think there's a need. I think even if everybody in the world was like, we're totally fine with gay people, I still think we need a space. Like I, I still think that queer spaces are so important. So, you know, that's what we're really trying to do. And it sounds like y'all are trying to do that with the Les Talk stuff. So 
um, I, you know, I hope to hear more about that. Oh, I'm um, but super it, I think it is important, it. and especially because the whole world isn't 100% cool, it's even more important with whatever's going on in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Preach it. Preach. Yeah. Anyway, um, not to scream into my mic because I've done that before. It's <laughs> awful to edit Go for that. it. Um, but yes, that's exactly, it is exactly what we need. Spaces are so important, which is why I'm so thankful that you and yours are creating that space, that you are sharing those stories that, you know, people can, especially that people can see out there that you can be queer and this other thing, and you can, that could be your title together if you want it to, and you can still be successful. It doesn't like pit you against the world. It doesn't make it well, it, might, it probably does make it harder in some places, but that you can be successful and be your whole authentic self and you can identify the way you want and it's not going to stop you at every turn. Yeah, and it, it might empower you. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel about it. I hope I get to see one of your shows one day, whether it be you uploading it to <laughs> YouTube or me actually being able to get off my butt and get over there for one of them. Yeah, if you ever come to New Orleans, definitely let me know. Let us move on. To the guest to guest question, uh, my guest from, so our last guest, who was a director, a filmmaker of her own, she had the question for you, which we can make a, her question was, what is your favorite place to watch queer people? Like people watching, but I guess queer watching, as you could call it, I guess, <laughs> some may say. Queer watching. Um... I don't necessarily have a favorite place. I I really do enjoy um, any sort of parades in New Orleans. Is we have a lot of parades. Um, we just recently had a gay. We have a gay Easter parade, uh, which is really cool. Gay Easter. Um, I yeah. I love watching people at parades because that's just everybody coming together. Um, in New Orleans, we do have some of those like religious folks that will come every pride and every decadence and um, you know, they'll shout stuff out, but people will take pictures in front of them making out and like, do, you know, it's like, it, they don't, they just shout. They don't, they're not like physically. Cause if anything happens, the cops are right there. So they're allowed to have their first amendment right of free speech and that's it. And everybody's like, even with that, like some people will try to like offer hugs or, you know, like it's just, even with that, like one component, we turn it into a positive, but it's just seeing the gay Easter parade has like, you have queer families, you have, um, different like groups marching. They have a group now called crew degenerates and it's like, everyone dresses like Ellen DeGeneres. Oh my God. Um, so it's just people just having a good time and, and you'll see everyone out cause it's during the day. So, um, you know, everyone who's like nightlife people and, uh, not nightlife people. And like I said, families with kids or, um, you know, whoever we all come out together and there's allies there and it's just a really good time. And, and it's a, great time to people watch. So I'd say there, cause everyone's happy too. You go to a parade, you're happy. People are throwing beads out and you know, we're allowed to drink in the streets here. So people are, are drinking and just happy to be there and happy. We're here. We're queer. Like, you know, we're just there. And I, I enjoy that a lot. Wow. I am so <laughs> jealous, man. Well, pride's coming up. The crew degenerates is marching in the pride parade. If you have, $25 and uh, you can get a blonde wig if you'd like a little short one and come on down. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a bad gay, but I don't, I don't like parades. I, 
I don't, I don't <laughs> like the crowds. I don't like standing in the heat waiting for people to walk by. I just, I'm not as entertained by them. I've never been like my family likes to watch the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade every year, and I think that's just what yeah. killed it for me. Like I just, I'm just yeah. Not, my mom wakes up and I'm, watches that, but you have to for the gay parade. You got to be in it. Don't be watching it. March in it. Let people cheer for you. Oh, my God. It's amazing. That's going to change your parade game, I'm telling you. Real game. That's, that's got to add it to the list. I got I to gotta do a stand-up. I got to be in a parade. So it's, woo, making, I'm making a list here. This is great. But I'm giving you a whole bucket list. Karaoke, stand-up, march in the gay parade. I'm giving you a sign. Oh my god, this is great! I love it. I'm excited. This is the interaction I dream for every time I have a podcast. <laughs> like, tell me what to do with my life, and I'm like, here's what you do. Oh my god, perfect. Um, so, what will be your question for our next guest? Um, if you wrote an autobiography about yourself, what would you call it? Oh my, that is a hard question. I. What would be your answer? Um, I've had a bunch of different ones. Um, covered in cat hair. Oh my god! Is probably the one that's gonna that would stick. Um, I used to like have this. I wanted to have like a comedy catchphrase. It was dumb, but I would just say, "Now who's drunk?" Like, and that's how you just respond to anything that any criticism. <laughs> You're just like, "But now who's drunk?" So, like, that would be another title. That's gold. But I think covered in cat hair is most representative of my life because I am covered in cat hair most moments of the day so um that's what it would be (laughs) i think mine might actually be tap dancing ponies because that's what mine's doing in the background right now that's perfect because that's interesting it's uh, a mystery i am intrigued i'm I'm glad you're intrigued it's probably (laughs) gonna be all about my countryside life dealing with all these horses that refuse to respect my boundaries but I mean, that's that's covered in cats, man. That one got me. But also now who's drunk? I'm like, you might have to write two. Like, can you do that? You're, yeah. Are you allowed to write two autobiographies? <laughs> oh, totally. People write so many because you can write them about different parts of your life. I did originally. And this is going to be I filmed a half hour of my stand up that hopefully oh I'll release soon as soon as I get it together and do editing. But that's going to be called sturdy lesbian lumber. Oh my God. Um, and that was also working. And not that I'm writing. I don't, I haven't written an autobiography, but I like to think about titles. Like I, I just like, I like to ask all these hypotheticals. So hypotheticals um, are yeah. The best. So anyway, that was another one, but that's going to be used for something else. So, um, but I'm sure there, I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but I always come up. I'm like, that would be the name of my autobiography. And it's just, just fun to think about that. Yes. Yes. Like, do you ever like have those moments when you're imagining yourself being interviewed and like what you would, what would you answer stuff? I guess now is like a, what would they call that a meta moment? No, we would not. I don't understand what I'm trying to say, but. <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely, you know, thought about that or like picked up a brush as a microphone and been like why yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah whatever it's like have fun and I like to think it just I like to ask when I'm at the bar with my friends or just hanging out I like to ask people questions like that because I, I think it's entertaining number one and it, people are always like wow I never thought about that so you know I like to catch people off guard that's how you get to the who they really are oh goodness I have I caught you off guard at all tonight? Probably not. <laughs> Nothing catches me oh, off no. guard. <laughs> no. We'll never I mean, know everything who you does. Are. I, 
Everything does because I don't know what you're gonna ask, but I'm you know, I'm ready for it. You're ready for it, but now is the end of the show. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I feel like I've oh, disappointed no. someone. Well, we can do another one sometime. Absolutely. You're <laughs> always welcome to come back. You're always welcome to be like, hey, this new thing's happening. I would like to come on and share it with you. And I'd be like, yes, bring it on. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> so that's... That sounds good. But yeah, thanks for having me. And, you know, this is really fun. I had a good time. Absolutely. Now, tell, please tell people where they can find you. And if you ever put that stuff up on YouTube, let me let me know. I want to see it. Yes. Okay. Um, so all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's at Amanda G Fang and it's an A. So it's Amanda, the letter G and then T H A N G. Um, and YouTube also like everything's just, that's what it is. Cause it's easier for me to remember and greetings from queer mountain. We do in new Orleans every second Friday. So if you're in New Orleans, plan your trip for the second weekend. We also have a show called LGBTQ LOL, which is all queer stand-ups, and that's every second Sunday. So if you plan it on a second weekend, you'll get two awesome queer shows. Um, and then the podcast is Near and Queer to My Heart, which you can get anywhere you get your podcasts. Yay! Okay, you're going to have to spell your name out for me again, because I'm like trying to find you on Twitter <laughs> right now. <laughs> Oh, it's uh, just Amanda, A-M-A-N-D-A, and then the letter G, and then T-H-A-N-G. So it's Amanda G. Thang instead of Amanda G. Thing, because that would be weird. I mean, that's a bitchin' <laughs> last name. If I could have my last name be Fang, I would... I mean, that's <laughs> like, what, every middle schooler's dream to have a kick-ass last name like they do in the movies? I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yes, so I I am following you now shamelessly. But all right, I'll follow you back as soon as I uh, get off my phone. Where my Twitter is? <laughs> There's there is no obligation. I talk a lot of shit. No, I mean you, I you already it. know your podcast follows yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I see the interactions that we have, and yeah, you're. Always, I see the comments you have on other stuff. I'm like, she's in this. She's in this conversation. <laughs> I mean, I'm waiting for the day that someone's like, you're being really like invasive you're using your podcast for like wicked things or something like you're, you're no, too personable you for a podcast you realize you're supposed to be professional and i will say meh to be honest because i don't think i'm going to change my ways no because that's part of it you know you want it to be personal because the podcast needs to have a point it needs to have a, a position a stance a you know something so there's nothing Absolutely. wrong with that. I just had somebody call me a useless lesbian because I hadn't watched Killing Eve yet. And I, I mean, you don't see that interactions in other places unless they know you. Yeah. Also, there are no useless lesbians. So. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, sometimes. Sometimes. Like, I have examples, but, but I don't want to call anybody out. I mean, you should watch Killing Eve. It's a good show, but I would not consider you or anybody useless because they haven't seen a TV show. I mean, I'm sure it was meant with love. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I've literally, there's so many shows out there that like, you can't see them all. Isn't it wonderful though, that there are so many? Yes. I love it, but it overwhelms me because anytime I'm like, oh, I finally watched this. And then everyone's like, did you watch this? And I'm like, oh God. No, there's another one. <laughs> yeah, can't keep up. And Just... Killing Eve, 
the season two started. I've only seen season one, so I'm like a half useless lesbian, I guess. I guess. I mean, I, I just, <laughs> do you feel like when something queer comes out that we're not per se obligated to support it, but we feel like as queer people we need to? Because I feel like that's what's happening with these TV shows. I feel like I should watch something because there's a gay in it or something. I'm like, we have to support our community, which I completely agree. We absolutely do. But do you feel like that's some of the frustration with there being so many shows? Yeah, it is, because I, I want to be included in the conversations. Um, and also, I think it's great that there is so much representation. Before, you would have, like, one show every three years that had a gay character, and we'd cling on to that show, whether it was a good show or a bad show, just because we had something. I'm glad those days um, are gone. Sometimes, and now we have, yeah. Yeah, and now we have, you know, so many options and there's so much good content out there, whether it's queer or otherwise. So I, I think it's a good thing. But, yeah, it's overwhelming. And I get pissed off when, like, I've seen one thing and people have seen five things they want to talk about. And I'm like, but I just saw the one. I just got the one. Come on, guys. I don't have time for this. <laughs> I mean, but you are also bringing your content in the world. So I think you should be able to, like, I don't know rectify that a little bit is that the one <laughs> yeah. looking for i don't trying to <laughs> so this is the part where we will say goodbye i guess but thank you thank you thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stuff i'm excited for everything you do i'm excited for your next episode when it comes out and i mean just keep doing what you're doing as if you need somebody else's validation <laughs> But. Oh, I need everybody's validation. But thank, <laughs> yeah, but thank you for having me. It was really nice to meet you at Clexicon and face to face meet you, and not just uh, over the internet. And um, you know, continue doing what you're doing. I think this podcast is great, and it sounds like you're doing a lot of great things with local folks. So keep on doing it. <laughs>